Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat postgame show. Um, this is Matt DeMarinas, your host, coming to you from some corner of the Ryan Ryan Athletic Center. Um, watched <laughs> the game at DJ Soul Arena tonight for women's basketball practice, and then the band came in, so I had to relocate. Um, but tonight, uh, to help me break this one down, former two-time All-American point guard, Marcus Zagorowski coming to me from are you are you in Brooklyn right now? Where are you at? I'm in Long Island, yeah. Long yeah. Island, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So he's chilling in Long Island. He just watched the game. He's ready to give some of his hot takes. He's gonna put on the analyst hat for the first yep. time, right? Right. Yep. And it was tonight, yo. Let's go. Um yeah, well, I was I my thing is I was I always let the guests lead off with uh just some of their main takeaways from the game. So by all means, Marcus, what were some of the things that you felt like were key contributors, key contributing factors for why Creighton was able to, you know, stave off UConn, handle some in-game adversity, and come away with a big road win, especially after what they were, you know, coming off of last Saturday? Yeah, obviously coming off a loss, you know, versus Xavier, you know, at home is it's tough. You know, you don't want to, you know, lose too many home games. You know, in the Big East, you know, and especially, you know, in the fashion they lost, you know, they were up a lot in the first half and in the second half, they kind of were a different team. And, you know, they're young, but, you know, for them to come to go into, you know, UConn's house and, you know, beat them for the fourth time straight, honestly, they would ask you to beat them three times. And, you know, um, I think today they, I thought they controlled the pace really well, you know, that's one thing, you know, I think UConn usually likes to slow it down and run certain sets and, um, you know, that's why I think, you know, the refs kind of letting letting it play a little bit, you know, not calling as many fouls. I feel like obviously that worked in UConn's favor because they got to play physical, but it also worked in Creighton's favor because, you know, they like the up and down game. They like to, you know, play, you know, if a team goes on a run, you know, coach would always say, just we're not calling time up, we're, we're going, we're going. So, I, you know, I saw in the first half, you know, UConn was really tired like the first 10 minutes and I felt like that played dividends down the stretch in the second half and then you know also you know they, they hit big shots you know they hit timely shots as well and you know although they did have more turnovers you know than an average team they had less than what they would usually get and um you know I thought the freshmen you know just made big plays down the stretch and it's a big <clears throat> big confidence boost for those guys and um but like I said yeah even even with Ryan going down that was tough but you know they, they just made the, the, the like the the tough plays at the right time and just you know stuck their nose on defense and obviously it was a defensive game it was low scoring but you know gutsy win. Yeah, I think uh, you know a few of the things that I take from this is just you know I think you're right in in a couple aspects like the turnovers obviously when you look at. Um, <laughs> I mean, in the first half, it was it was out of control. They they turned the ball over like thirty percent of their possessions. That's way too many. It was they they could have built themselves up a bigger lead had they, you know, taken care of the ball a little bit better. But, you know, they only turned it over four times in the second half. And I think it's I think you know your point about the pace and the up and down nature of the game maybe took a little bit of a, a teeth away from UConn's normally aggressive, active defense, and that played into Creighton's hands a little bit because they were able to you know, secure the ball better and, 
you know, at least end possessions with shots instead of any possessions with, you know, giveaways or throwing the ball out of bounds and things like that and letting UConn run it right back at them and get easy buckets in transition and things like that. But, man, I just can't, like, help but think about this, this, uh, like, I can't help but look at it in a big picture sense for this team in particular because, you know, you lose Ryan Kalkbrenner with, like, I don't know, 14 minutes left in the game, I think, essentially, and he had done such a good job at just eliminating Adamo Sonogo, who came in averaging like, you know, 18 and 15, just absolute monster, you know, a, a Big East player of the year candidate. And, uh, you know, he really neutralized him. Like it wasn't like Hawkbender was doing a whole lot offensively, but, you know, he was really making things tough for Sonogo. He almost like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an, an, a factor on the offensive glass. He wasn't getting um, deep post position for, easy buckets, easy and ones, things like that. Um, so it was like, ooh, I wonder how Creighton's going to handle this situation. And, you know, they going small, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Hawkins, giving up like 50, 60 pounds of that man, just battled down there, didn't let him get anything easy, except for those first couple possessions after they went to the small lineup. And it's like, this team's just tough. There's just no way to other, like, to put it. Like, you know – they lost to Iowa State at home, bounced back and beat, beat a really good BYU team in an easy fashion. Lost to Arizona State at home, bounced back and beat Villanova by 20 points. And then, you know, last Saturday, like you said, they're up 17 at half on Xavier. And, you know, it just absolutely goes into the dumper, like right away in the second half. Just they absolutely lose total grip on the game. And they, you know, suffer a loss that, like, a young team could probably be a little bit internal, you know, if they think about that thing too much and they wiped it, they wiped it away, got back to work, focus on the things they need to focus on. They need a defensive rebound, keep you kind of out of the paint, let certain guys get shots. And if they beat you, they beat you. And then they just made enough plays. Like you said, timely shots, um, Trey Alexander, 11 points in the second half, five of six from the free throw line in the last 40 seconds, big time for a freshman. Right. Um, Ryan Hawkins, 23 points, throwing in threes all over the place, you know, 11 rebounds. Alex O'Connell even didn't even hit shots, but 10 defensive rebounds tonight, held Tyrese Martin to seven points on nine shots. Like so many contributions that lend you to believe that this team's, you know, got some, got some like mental fortitude to them that they're able to bounce back from, from things that would normally sink a different, type of group, you know, or lead to a losing streak and things like that. And that's kind of what impresses me the most. How, how does that sit with you, just the way they bounced back and responded? Yeah, I think it's um, – it shows, you know, their character. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to the players, but I also want to give you know, credit to Mac. You know, that's mm. – you know, coming from a season where there were so many high expectations and now coaching – like, like the next year, now this year for them, it's um it's a whole new roster and it, there isn't really an, an expectation for them. You know, they're a bunch of young guys and, and new and new players and you know for Coach Mac to kind of switch his you know mental mentality and to be more patient with the guys and um like I saw today like they a couple guys had a turnover and he's at the sideline like like calm like we're good we're good like and then down the stretch he's like I can see him like smiling at players and timeouts and. I think those guys, you know, can gravitate towards that type of coaching right now, you know, especially coming off a loss like that to Xavier. So I think coach, just his way of coaching, right. You know, and he's always been like that, but I think especially this year, he's, he's more, he's more patient and he's, um he's, he just brings a sense of calm to the group. And 
um, young guys and guys that don't have much experience in the Big East, you know, need that. And, you know, I, I do think that rubs off. And I, and I can tell Ryan Hawkins is a great leader. I can see him when guys make a mistake. He's he's running over to him. He's grabbing him and he's mm. words, of, words of encouragement. So little stuff like that is 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 really helping out those younger guys on the team. And um, you can see that today. You know, what's it's interesting, too, because the dynamic of this team is so different from the last two years. You know, uh, Ryan Miller and Jalen Courtney Williams are in their first years as, as assistant coaches. So only Al and Mac are really, you know, and Murph and Lou are, are back from the coaching staff part of it, right? And then you have this whole new roster, which, you know, Kalkbrenner and, uh, and Sharif are the only guys who have experience playing on the squad other than Alex O'Connell, who, you know, was probably the seventh or seventh man last year on last year's team. Um, and then Sharif's down and out, and then Kaufmaner goes down. So you basically have like the new the newbies out there with, mm-hmm. you know, Mac trying to orchestrate all of everybody through it. Like, and I know you know over the years you've talked about this a lot, but what is it? What is Mac like in tense situations like this? When you know when when the moment could probably you know when the moment might be close to overwhelming a young group. Like, what are some of the things he does to keep guys calm and focused and not thinking about the external stuff, whether they just miss a shot or just turned it over or just got beat, um, you know, on a blow by? Like, what is it about the way he conducts the game within the game that allows guys to just calm down and play? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he he kind of – I think obviously during the moment he's, he's there coaching you, but I think it starts, you know, in practice and – in, in every day in film sessions and when he sees you, he, he's constantly, you know, you know, learning more about you. And then in practice, you know, you go over these scenarios in games where, you know, it's a close game and, you know, what, what do we, what, like, what do we want to do in this scenario? Like, how do we, how do we want to break this press? You know, I, I, um, and also, you know, we have, we have quotes of the day before practice and, you mm. know, it's, it's all related to what we're trying to clock, what we're trying to accomplish and, you know, what our mentality should be in, in, in games and, um, so yeah, when when there's when there's tense moments, you know, we you know I remember you know when it was close, we usually would have you know like who do who, like who do, who do we want to at the free throw line like what what uh, what play are we running here you know if if this happens we're gonna do this like it's like there's so many different scenarios you just gotta you just gotta know and um, but it comes from practice and um, you feel prepared out there you know you know I feel like if you don't feel prepared out there and you kind of know what's going on, then you're in trouble. But I could tell, you know, even the freshmen tonight, they, they kind of knew what was, you know, who, who do we want shooting free throws in the time, you know, let's not try and force it in this possession. And um, it's a close game and they're probably going to try to foul. So let's try and, you know, get the ball to the right player. So I, I just felt like they kind of, um, kind of just knew what was, you know, what, what was expected. And, um, you know, there was a sense of calmness to the group tonight. And I feel like that's why they won. Yeah, what do you, what do you, I don't know if there was a, if there's ever a moment like this, but you know, this might not mean much, but I think early on in the game, I felt like Creighton was going to be in this thing for the duration um, because of their pace offensively. I think that's always like a tell for me. I think, you know, they got UConn moving side to side and rotating a lot. You see, the ball wasn't really sticking. They weren't really just, uh, you know, um, sticking to only the, ball side movement and stuff like that. Everybody was moving, cutting, screening, 
And even when the ball did stick a little bit, the guys were doing the rip throughs and, you know, making sure that UConn wasn't mm-hmm. able to load up to it very much. And I just thought that activity level on the offensive end was going to lend itself to high percentage lows, whether they fell or not for all the whole game is mm-hmm. kind of secondary to me because I just feel like it's about the process. And yeah. I'm wondering if there was a point in the game, if there was something that stood out to you where you felt like Creighton was going to be in this fight. Um, if there's something that stands out. I mean, I just think, you know, in the obviously first half, I felt like Crane, you know, up, you know, they, what, like, what was it? What were they up 10 and a half? Yep. Yeah. And I thought it was a comfortable 10. Like they, you know, they probably like the, by the way they looked, they, sh- they could have been up 15 or, you know, even more than that. And yeah, they were up 10 yeah. with like 10 turnovers. Yeah. Like that's saying, yeah. So they, yeah. they played really, they played like really good defensively. Like they made them make, you know, tough plays and, um, they hit big shots, you know, that right three at the end was 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 huge going into the second half. And I remember, in the, I think, in the second half, UConn started to make a little run and the crowd starts getting into it. And, then, mm-hmm. you know, I don't – I see just a sense of, like, you know, coaches are going to run call timeout. Like, all oh, these guys aren't ready. I feel like just coaches, like, go. Like, we're ready for this moment. And, um, you know, they just – they just stuck. They just stuck in it and um just made the bigger plays at the at like I said before they made the bigger plays at the at, at, at the right time and um obviously it was close second half it was but I even though it was close I felt like we had like Crane had a comfortable lead like the whole the whole the whole second half even though they you kind of go up for like like a minute but um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just I don't know as a as a former player I just felt like comfortable like nah we're good like they're gonna win this game really it just felt. Really? Yeah, I I really did believe that. I felt like I felt like UConn was tired. I really did. I felt like yeah. they didn't. Um, they just I, and also like the game plan versus UConn. It's it's it was good. You know they they wanted they wanted uh the dude just hit shots. You know well, well they made what's his name the guy Isaiah, that uh, Isaiah Whaley. Yep. Yeah, like they let him shoot threes yeah, all day. Yeah, exactly. Like make him shoot, and then you know they don't. UConn doesn't have a lot of shoes. Go on their ball screens and. Blitz to no go. So like obviously it was, you know, Mac always has a great game plan. So I thought they they really got down on the game plan tonight. Yeah, Isaiah uh, UConn was five for twenty one from three as a team, um, but players not named Isaiah Whaley were one for thirteen. So yeah, they they basically. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, Arden struggled. Yeah, the, yeah, the, that's what I wanted to touch on next was the defense um, by you know Ryan Nemhard and. Trey Alexander and Alex O'Connell on Tyrese Martin and RJ Cole. Like, I don't know if you look at, you know, the coaches break down the game on synergy a lot and try to find weaknesses and strengths. And, you know, that's kind of how they form their game plans about how they want to, you know, put together a defensive game plan for certain teams. And if you look at like RJ Cole's breakdown, you know, it's UConn runs a lot of pick and roll stuff with him, but it's not, he's not super efficient with it, especially when he gets downhill and he likes to shoot a lot of runners that are, just kind of off the move and, you know, he's not really efficient with it. So I thought Ryan Nemhard did a good job of chasing him over the top of screens and not going under and letting him shoot threes and get going Mm -hmm. that way. Like he made him go downhill and play into that, that mid range area where he shot a lot of tough twos, a lot of runners. Um, And then Alice O'Connell did a really good job. I think of just like, for the most part, staying in front of Tyrese Martin and making him more of a jump shooter than a guy who can get downhill and, play at the rim and draw fouls and get to the free throw line. You know, also, I don't think, I don't know if O'Connell's game is going to stick out from this one, especially, you know, outside of the rebounding part of it on the box score. But if you look at, you know, I mean, 10 rebounds tonight was a career high. They were all on the defensive glass. Number one, 
that's huge because UConn's, you know, from a total uh, totality standpoint, they're the third best offensive rebounding team in the country coming in. Um, so that's big for Alex O'Connell to grab 10 of those suckers. And then just, you know, keeping Tyrese Martin away from his kill spots. Like he made him, he scored seven points. He was two for nine from the field. And three of those seven points came at the free throw line. So, you know, I thought the job that O'Connell and Nemhart did on two of UConn's top three scorers and their top perimeter options was stellar. Like, I don't know if it'll stand out, but it was, I thought it was stellar. Like, I don't know. What did you see in, from a tactical standpoint that Creighton executed defensively against those two, just making them go to areas of the floor where they're maybe not as good. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw in the first half, you know, they were, Brian was in the drop coverage. You know, we didn't, when I was there, we didn't do that much, but I think Ryan, I'm talking about Ryan Kalkbrenner. Yeah. There's three Ryans. You gotta, <laughs> we gotta make sure people know. <laughs> in the drop, they were, you know, they were, they were living with those mid ranges and that's kind of the game now in today's that we, Make them take those tough twos, and mm. I think not everybody's got that pull up in the mid range like you. So it's like it's a rare, <laughs> rare that dude's got that. <laughs> yeah, although, but oh uh, yeah, obviously they were. I, I mean, I also think he was getting to his left hand, you know, which is okay. But you know, as long as he doesn't get to the rim, and um, I thought um, he's had success this year by getting to the rim and in his body and then getting to the rim. But you know, versus obviously versus Crane today, they. He got to him a little bit, but um, you know they just kept coming with the walls, and they kept coming, and they weren't bailing him out by fouling him. You know mm-hmm. that was that was one thing that was really smart is don't if he gets there, still put your hands up and don't 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 reach in or don't swipe down. You know, I used to do that all the time. Coach <laughs> used to get pissed at me <laughs> swipe down all the time. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and also you know our Ryan Nemhart did a great job of staying in front of him, and I I also think like Ryan. Ramhart made him work on the defensive end, picking a full. Oh yeah, four. oh yeah. Yep. Although he wasn't totally successful, you know, scoring the ball, but he, he made him really he made him really work, and and I think this, this just being up the whole game and um, kind of controlling the pace was, was 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 like was part of that, and um and then also AO I think AO's def- defensive, you know, just I think this this entire year he's been awesome, you know I think mm-hmm. that's his biggest jump from last year to this year is 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 his defense, you know. You know, coming from Duke, I don't think he, you know, took it as serious as, um, as he does. Obviously, as he does now, I think mm-hmm. the coach Crane, like, I think, and then got, got, you have to give credit to him. To him is he, he's really put his head down and, you know, really turned himself into a really good two-way player for them. And um, he's done it all year, and especially tonight versus, um, Tyrese. And I think he just uses his athleticism really good. He's 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 just tall frame, six six, and really athletic, and he has good feet, and he just. You know he knows he knows where to be, and he knows you know who's guarding. You know that's that's what it takes, and he did it again tonight. He just he also rebounded really well, and so um, I'm really happy for him. He's he's having a great year so far. Yeah, for sure. We talked about Kalkbrenner a little bit, especially you know early on in the game, um, but you just look at Adama Sonoga, like 29 minutes tonight, eight points on three for ten shooting. Uh, two of those eight points came at the free throw line. You know he had six offensive boards. I think only. Um, one block shot, like he didn't get a whole lot of assists. He only had one assist. So it's not like he was, um, you know, making plays and making Creighton pay for the attention they were paying him. But, yeah. you know, in the, in the second half, and especially down the stretch, because as soon as Kalkbender went out, 
Um, you know, Creighton threw Keyshawn Fizel in there for a little bit, and then they all opted to go to the small ball lineup with Hawkins and Kaluma at the four and the five. And as soon as they did that, UConn went right inside to Sonogo. First two possessions, bang, bang. He scored on one, um, missed the other one. But, like, I don't know. What did you see out of Kaluma and Hawkins that allowed them to just not let Sonogo get going? Because that's – I feel like that's a huge spark plug for UConn. When he can get easy baskets, I think everybody gets a jolt of confidence when he's going because then they can play the inside-out game and he can draw a lot of attention, and they can get open rhythm shots off of that, and then the crowd feeds into it. Like, how did you think Hawkins and Kaluma were able to, you know, deal with him despite the size disadvantage they were they were dealing with on their end? Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, Coach McDermott made a probably made a a really good decision by doing that because he, I think he knew he's not gonna. I don't think Sonoma was a good passer. Like okay. just last year, I don't think he's gonna. Maybe he's a good pass. He's not a willing pass. He's not. He's not going to pass it out. Even if they they come in double or they 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 front him or just make it make it tough for him to score. And he was. Do you think he's more likely to catch and try to score than he is to like oh. probe and look around? Yeah. Yeah. So I think coach was like, okay, well maybe if they pass it in, you know, we'll, we'll live with what he does that what he does down there. But we're going to make it really really hard for him to score. So, and I feel like that's what they did. And and then on the other end, they 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 made him guard. You know, they made him um, guard on the on the perimeter and. I think UConn had to sub him out. I think UConn then went mm-hmm. they did and yeah. small ball. So and that and that worked in in uh, Creighton's favor because they kind of messed up UConn's offense in in a time of like a need to score. So um, I thought it was like a game of chess for Coach Mack tonight. I thought he, he did really well. <laughs> he pushed the right buttons for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you what do you think of Trey Alexander? Like he's starting to come on a little bit here lately and. You know, he had the big putback in on the transition break. First of all, he gets the defensive board, throws the nice lead pass to Hawkins, um, who I thought – I mean, I thought he got fouled, but, you know, he missed the shot. Then Trey comes right behind him, cleans it up. That put him up by four with about four and a half minutes left. It was a big bucket. Um, just gave him a little bit of a cushion in, in a, you know, in a game that turn, was turning into a little bit of a slug, uh, you know, a slug there. And then, you know, he misses the – I think he missed the first free throw on one of his things, but then he hit the next five, I believe. I don't know if that's my sequence is right, but either way, he went five for six from the free throw line in the last 40 seconds. And that's a true freshman on the road at UConn. Like, I don't know. What's that tell you about someone like that when he's able to just make plays down the stretch like that as a true freshman in that type of a game? Yeah, you know, from watching Trey, you know, you know, I can just tell he listens, you know, I can really just, just from knowing from experience when I was a freshman, you know, I knew, I knew, I knew to jump stuff every single time I got in the paint. I knew to take good shots. I knew to, you know, make the right play. I knew, I knew where I was supposed to be on offense and, you know, what play we're running. And I knew on defensively who I was guarding and, you know, when, when to help and when not to help. And I can tell he knows that. And that's why I think he's gaining more trust and, in, in the coaching staff, and I think that's why he's gaining a bigger role as the season goes on, because you know he's doing the right things, and um, he's getting rewarded for it. So, um, like tonight, he was, you know, really he's a really, you know, he's like I said, he's always in the right spot defensively, and then he, mm. and then when he gets in the paint, he doesn't rush. He, he he'll he'll even get down there and just oh nothing's there, pass it right out. Like it's just little stuff like that that coach really really likes to, you know, seeing seeing a player especially at a at a at a younger age and. Um, I feel like him having that, you know, that willingness to just, you know, just, just be like 
don't don't have to do anything. Just hit singles, hit singles, hit singles, and that's why he got rewarded hit with singles. Them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying like, I can just tell that's, uh, and that's why Coach puts him in at the one when Ryan goes out, and he knows that he can. He's not he's not gonna blow you out of the park with you know being a point guard or um, or you know, just be just. But he's gonna do the right thing here. He's gonna do. He's not gonna mess up. He's gonna um. Mm-hmm. Just make the right plays at the right time in that down the stretch. You know he had, had that big basket, hit those free throws, had that had that rebound, and so like it's just stuff like that. And it's just a, you know it's an awesome learning experience. And then you know having a learning experience along with the win is is, is awesome for those freshmen, this this group. Yeah, I mean I think a guy who is probably gonna make a big jump from this game too, or be able to use it as a as a building block is Arthur Kaluma. And, and, you know, it's interesting because, like, you look at his, I don't know, like, 7.7 rebounds doesn't really, like, jump out at you. But especially, but when you look at the way he battled defensively in the second half against Sonogo and, you know, that bigger lineup of UConn's. And in the first half, you mentioned, like, jump stops and patience. And Arthur's been kind of a guy that gets a little bit sped up because he's so aggressive and, you know, so – athletic and powerful that he feels like he can just mow over guys and, and, and bully them into easy buckets. Right. So he's kind of, he's had to learn the hard way that it doesn't come as easy at this level like that. You can't just, you know, you can't just big boy people all the time. Like they're smart defenders. They know body positioning. They understand they're smart. They, 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 you know, they know how to stay in front of you. They know how to use angles to cut you off. But I thought tonight, like everything he got offensively early in the game, especially, was all just really smart stuff, shot fakes, jump stops, pivots. Like he didn't get super sped up thinking he had an easy one if he just accelerates real quick, right? You know, he got the shot fake pull-up jumper from the elbow off the drive. Um, he got the he drove inside, shot fake twice, up and under move, layup. Like that yeah. stuff is really, really high level because it lets you know he's starting to figure out the game like it's slowing down for him and he's no and he's understanding now how to use his you know athletic ability in an intelligent way to get easy offense for himself no for sure i agree i think he, i think every time he gets the ball you know he shots fakes every single time which, yeah. is, which is which is awesome to see because you can tell you know the coaching staff is like all right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shot fake we're gonna we're gonna slow down you know you have a big frame you're athletic you don't you know there's no need to rush you know they were have all the time in the world. I think it's a similar tactic they used with Denzel when he was mm. early on when he was starting to um when he just came on my, my my sophomore year when he started coming on and you know they realized that he's he's like 215 he's he's strong he, he doesn't have to go a million miles an hour at the hoop he can drive past someone if, if they come up to him just post up real quick and you know try and get an easy one or try and make an easy one for somebody else and um, I think Arthur has those similar qualities, you know, big frame, a guy that can literally just back you down and or just go right by you and finish. So um, for him to soft fake and take take his time and get to his spot is really good, especially as a freshman. And I think one time in the second half, they had like a – he got the ball in the middle and he like – he didn't even need to soft fake. He could have just went, but he shot faked. And, but you can just tell like he's just – he's learning and he's he's practicing a lot, you know. Um, I I I laughed because I was like, you know what? Like he's definitely, I know Huss is on him about that, or somebody's on him about shot faking and taking his time and not just going a million miles per hour and trying to dunk on somebody every time because I know mm-hmm. that's what he wants to do. But um, it's just stuff like that, you know. You you just see the growth, you know, and it's it's good for them to go through this because 
next game they're gonna know they're gonna know not to do this or yeah. to do this more and um because i remember as a freshman i had those similar um experiences for sure i got a couple more um topics i want to touch on before we will jump in and see what kind of questions we got the first one is ryan hawkins like we talked a little bit about the defensive side of things already um but 23 points, you know, he was four for five from three. Some of them were lucky bounces, but, hey, if they go in, they go in. Counts the same way, right? Basketball um, guys, that means he's been putting in the work. Yo. Hey, it's, it, it's law of averages, right? You're going to miss some that you should that are halfway down. Some you got to get the lucky bounce. It's all good. It all works out in the end. But, I mean, and his patience in the post, too. I mean, he didn't he didn't get sped up down there either um, against long physical guys. Like, he used shot fakes. He used step throughs. He used drop steps. Um, he backed down real patient. Like he just really kind of old man game to UConn a little bit tonight. You know what I mean? Like he just was really smart about everything he did. And the, I guess the question I have for you is I wonder when you've got a guy who, you know, can play that small ball five stretch four type guy that you have to, you have to check, you know, like UConn's got to devote defensive attention to him on the perimeter. Um, they've got to, you know, be conscious of him when he gets the ball in the low post. Like what does that um, unlock for Creighton's offense? When you have a guy at that position in particular, who can, you know, play the pick and pop game, can play the low post game, can space the floor out to like, you know, 25, 27 feet. Like how does that change the dynamics of the way Creighton's offense operates when a guy like that can do that at that position at that size? Yeah. I just feel like it, it opens everything up, you know, having him trail the play, you know, that means his man can't help as much. And I mean, that gives Ryan room to drive and mm-hmm. get downhill. And then if he's posting up, you know, he's a, he's a willing passer. He's a guy that can get a buck down there. And that, that, that makes guys having to come in and try and help and try and get the ball out of him. That, and that leaves guys on the perimeter, you know, ready for closeouts when they get the ball. So, you know, you know, basketball, it's, it's all, you, you can tell it's there, you know, he's, you know, he's, he sees, he's a seasoned guy. He knows, he knows his own makeup, you know, he knows, you know, what he's going to bring every day, but it's the, I think it's the, it's the leadership and it's the, it's the willingness to give himself to, to these, to these freshmen and even Ryan and even AO, I feel like they, they've learned a lot from him and just his, you know, he's won a lot in, in his career, you know, so him, I think he brings like a calm, a calmness to the group. I, I, I it reminds me of like Mitch a little bit last year or even the year, I mean, even though he didn't, you know, he wasn't playing around all, all these freshmen, so he probably didn't have to do it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, me, Denzel, Dan, Christian, and you know, other uh, other guys kind of knew what we were, you know, what was going on. But, you know, still having him in our ear was great. But Ryan being around – Ryan Hawkins being around a bunch of younger guys and inexperienced guys, I feel like – I mean, even he's inexperienced at this level, but mm-hmm. you can tell, like, um, he's comfortable and he's – he's he, he knows – like I said, he, he knows his own makeup. He knows – you know, just bringing somebody aside and talking to him real quick after a small mistake is going to go huge for this group. And I feel like tonight he showed that. And I feel like once you do that, you know, good things happen to you. And tonight he had 23 and like, what do you have, 23 and 10? Uh, yeah, 23 and 11, I think is what you think. 11, yeah. So, yeah, so, but yeah, he, his little, his little push shot at the rim is, I know yeah. Coach Matt loves that shot right there. He loves uh-huh. that a little bit of Doug McDermott right there. That's right. He's poor man's Dougie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last one I kind of got for you, I'm just curious because 
this, you know, it's unique for you this year because this is there's not a lot of holdovers. These these aren't, you know, this isn't a roster that's like predominantly guys that you could call teammates, right? These are like new yeah. players to Creighton's roster, right? And I'm just curious what this season looks like for you in a vacuum. Like, do you know are, are they ahead of schedule in where you thought they were? Have they won some games you didn't think they were? you know, capable of winning in a certain style, a certain manner. Like, how do you, how do you, if you're just trying to put your finger on this team right now with, you know, some of the games that they've lost in certain ways and then some of the teams they've beaten in certain ways, like what's your overall takeaway of this season to date so far with this group? Um, you know, go, I'm not going to lie. Before the season, I was a little like skeptical. But I was like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be that. I don't know. You know, they, they have they have it's a whole new team you know everyone returning didn't didn't play a whole lot last year but you know they they, they definitely helped us you know get to where, where we went but um but I also knew in the back of my mind I was like I know coach I know coach is gonna is gonna put this team in the in the best possible position to be successful and I know um and I didn't know a lot about Hawkins I really didn't and mm-hmm. I just knowing that he's he's a great leader I now I was like okay like that's going to help them out. And the freshmen are, are, are a lot. I knew they were good coming in. You know, they were highly ranked. And I, so I knew that. But it's just different, you know, when you when you play at this level. It takes a little bit of time. And so, um, honestly, I didn't – I don't – I never saw them beating Nova by 20. Uh, it's hard to beat Nova by 10. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I don't – I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, no, I expected them. But um, once I saw that, I was like, whoa, like, like they're good, like they're good, but they're not like. But um, how do I word this correctly? Like, it's like inexperiencing. It just like you just like don't recognize them like for periods of time in the game, and that yeah. period of time in the game it could could eventually be the reason why they lost. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know how Mac described it after the Xavier loss is like you know. You take like the team that they that was at Creighton like the last two years, your sophomore and junior, you know, and it's like the way he described it is like you see the you see a team and sometimes like the ceilings here, like they're capable of playing at a really high level of beating, you know, um, really elite teams. So like that's your 20 point win over Nova. That's your double overtime win at Marquette. That's your win on the road right here at UConn. Right. The BYU game, et cetera. But then, like he said, with those teams that are doing that more consistently, that have more experience, that have played together a lot longer, the ceiling's there, but the floor isn't that far away either. So, like, they're that good when they're yeah. on their game, yeah. but when they're at their worst, they're still capable of, like, playing yeah. through mistakes and winning games. With this group, because of how young and inexperienced they are, like, even their old players, like you said, even their old players are inexperienced. And mm-hmm. then their young guys are new. So the ceiling is, like, like we said, the Villanova, UConn, BYU – but the floor is like also a lot lower, so you get a a lot more disparity when the game goes sideways on them versus when it's going well. And then that I feel like that kind of it's tough to go into games knowing that because then you're like, dang, what? How are we gonna be today? You, yeah, I feel yeah. Like Coach, Coach doesn't have like a he's. I think going into games, I I just know he's like, ah, we'll see about like, <laughs> like like I know we have a great game plan and I and I I know those those two practices before the games I got to be like damn near perfect just to make himself feel pretty good going into the game cuz I know how he is so 
So I know their preparation is probably has been good as it's ever been in the past couple of years because I know going into games, like you said, it's it could be up and down. You you just don't know. And mm-hmm. um, but I do I do I do think they're starting to get more consistent. You know, I, I think they they've realized what their issues are and they they've realized they gotta stop turning the ball over and they realize they can um they they got to be right on the scout like they got to know who they're playing each player what they do well and stuff like that cuz they cuz they their room for their room for error it isn't as big as it as it's been before like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could get away with not playing much defense in a game but we still win <laughs> like I coach I'll give you a 30 piece tonight but I'm going to give up 25 I'm just telling you straight. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just different but um yeah but i think coach should be really happy where obviously you know you you want to win every game but i think they should be really they should be you know okay they should be not be content because you never want to be content because that means you're not trying to go go further but you know just just be okay with you know where they're at right now because you know they want some that's it's hard to win on the road i don't care who you're playing on the road in the Mm. beginning Mm. We we lost some stink. We lost some games. We're like, what the heck? <laughs> How we lose to Georgetown? Away, <laughs> you know, we just beat Bill Lova, but like, yeah, it's just it's just the Big East. So winning games like this tonight, UConn, I bet no one had them beating UConn. Dude, no, they were they were ten point underdogs. Like, no way. Yeah. And if you yeah. said going in like Creighton's gonna score fifty nine points, like you're not giving them a win. A do- they're gonna score fifty nine points. Ryan Cockburner's not gonna play the last fourteen minutes. Like saying, you think man. they get? You think they're getting dog walked? Like no way. You got that as a dub. No way. No way. So yeah, for sure, big time. And I think it's just funny how like it, it played like they've been doing this since day one. Like we're the at the the roller coaster ride, right? Arkansas Pine Bluff, Kennesaw State. Like they were up big against Nebraska, then all of a sudden it was a game again. It's like yeah, I'm saying so. They they have yeah. It literally is just – it's like – it's just time. Like, I don't care how you, – you can practice, but it's just like you need to just go through those games and reps. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I'm sorry, you can't you can't control it. Like, it's just not going to – it's not just going to happen in, in a film session or practice. And it's just time. That's all that's going to happen. It's just – you have to go through those, those situations and games and literally just – gradually get more comfortable and gradually, you know, lessen those mistakes, but it's just going to take some time. Hopefully it's sooner than later. You know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the thing with the the season itself, like this season as on its own, is they put themselves in position to play. What, what does Mac always say? Like whatever the team's, whatever the team's makeup is about, like whatever we think their potential is, we just want to play meaningful games in February to give ourselves a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah. Well, here they are on February 1st, and they just beat UConn on the road. Like, they have a win over Nova on, on their ledger. They have a win over BYU on their ledger. Mm-hmm. Like, they're 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 putting themselves in position yeah. to play some meaningful <laughs> games, and that's all you want to do as a team. Like, year by year, you want to be playing for the big dance, right? And they're not they're, – it's February 1st, and they're not out of that yet, and they're actually in oh, good position. Oh, not, to keep pushing, not so. at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. They're definitely in there. They're definitely – you know, they, they win a couple more games during there. A couple yeah. of big big games and and the like I don't know exactly how like, how many more games they have in the big east. Doesn't matter. Um but, uh, yeah, that's a good question with the COVID. Let me see. Are they five and four? Yeah, so they got yeah, they five and four now, so they've got 
two, four. They're going to play that Providence game? I thought they might. Yeah, they got 10 games left. The Providence game is not getting made up. No, that's not happening. So, like, so they're not playing them at all or just playing them at Providence? They're only going to play them at Providence on February 26th. Why? (laughs) There's nowhere to put the game. Like, there's. Providence is, a, is is they don't want that smoke. That's why they they happy right now. <laughs> and cool, he got a cool eighteen to two record. He's like, nah, he I'm does, good. yeah, <laughs> good. Okay. He's sitting pretty at eighteen and two. He's like, wait, you want me to play UConn, Seton Hall, McCreighton again? Nah, I'm good. I'm straight. We're good. I hope his players are like, nah, let's go over there. Damn that mentality. There's more that catches up to you. Yeah, no, it's Aaron Crawford mentality, man. Come on now. They, they'll, 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 I guess they'll get it in the, in NYC, you know, as they say, they'll, they'll get it later. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess you consider them at the halfway point then they've got nine in, they've got 10 left, it's 20 game, 20 games slate normally. So yeah, they're about halfway through it right now. They're going to, I mean, the, the, there's not going to be any breaks left. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, the, they're like fully in the grind right now. Like they're going to play, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Like it's the routine is like you're just grinding through it now. Yeah. That rhythm. Get that rhythm, yo. More yep. game rhythm. Mm-hmm. Let's uh let's jump in and see what we got for questions and see what people have for us. Um uh yeah, let's look at our first one's from Brian. He wants to know. Um, I think this is for you because I don't really know what it's like to play in the Big East. So, uh, how hard is it to adjust to the physicality of this league? Um, and I don't know. You can even like throw in like what it's like with UConn too, because they're probably one of the more physical, in-your-face, you know, hands-on type of teams too. Like, so what's it like to just deal with that physicality and still be effective? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more physical at the college level than in the high school. Um, you know, I just guys are bigger, stronger, faster, everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to get used to it, take some time. And UConn, yeah, UConn's probably one of the better defensive, you know, more physical teams that I've played against in college. So, but, you know, those games excite me and they should excite you as a competitor. So, and I could tell tonight Crane didn't back down from, from that. You know, you can't, you, you just, you just can't back down from a little bit of physicality or a little bit of, you know, hacking or, you know, nudging or it's just little stuff like that. So, is it more mental than a physical thing? Like, it, I mean, or is it, I don't know, I guess what's the breakdown? Like if you're in a physical battle, like can you mentally like psych yourself into handling it? Or is it all just about your, like you said, the timing aspect, like time in the weight room, time in the gym, like. It's a little bit of both. You know, you can't just be a little, a little scrawny. You can, I mean, yeah. I was, I, I was skinny. And yeah. I, yeah. Skinny, but I feel like, you can, you can, if you show that a little weakness out there, they can smell it. You know, even mm-hmm. I, 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 we, we would play teams and we could smell it. Like, you can, like, oh, yeah, they soft. Like, we can just tell. We just, we just feel it. Yeah, I remember play. one your freshman year, uh, the home game against Seton Hall when you had the hand wrap. Remember when you came back from that? And, like, yeah. I remember the Seton Hall guys were like talking, like, let, letting you know, like, yeah. we got you. And then I remember how much fun you had the year after that when you were like, yeah. you were a I bad know. dude. You're like, yeah. hey, we got you now. I got two hands now, guys. Not just one. <laughs> <laughs> I was still letting them know when I had that broken hand. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, dude, that's still here. No, no, no. Still here with that broken hand. Don't, don't get it wrong, Miles. Get <laughs> <laughs> twisted, Miles. I still, I'm still out here with one hand. But, yeah, definitely is a, me- a mental thing. I feel like 
if you don't have that makeup going in college, I'm crazy. going to prepare you that in practice. You know, coach going to get on you every day. Yo, you better show that. Mm-hmm. He's going to make you die for the balls. You know, stay after do defensive drills. He's going to, he's going to get on you. And then if you, if you break or if you don't show what, what he wants to see or what is, what, what you have to be capable of, then he's not going to play you. I mean, it's just, this is, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. definitely got to, you know, be tough. You know, that's one thing I feel like, um, has made Crane, you know, bigger, you know, that toughness aspect. You know, I saw Ryan Kalkbrenner dive on the ground today. He's seven yeah. two. Yeah. It's just, you know, who knows if he doesn't make that play, what happens, you know? So it's, it's but it's stuff like that that's, um, goes a long way and it, it sets the tone. So, you know, that's what you got to do. And at that level, you got to, you got to be like that if you want to win. And, um, I feel like Crane has really, um, you know, people think, like I said before, finesse and threes, but no, like there's, there's another side to it. And that's the toughness and um, the scrappiness that, that they do now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I got to look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure this is still uh, their highest rated defense under Mac so far, just on Ken. Oh, yeah. oh no, it's tied with you guys for last year. Really? Yeah. So you guys were 32nd in adjusted defensive efficiency last year. And this team's right at 32 as well. So, okay, then. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, but those two right there are the two best, uh, two best defensive squads of Max. Shout out P. Lush, man. Coaching P-Lush. career. P-Lush. Yeah, P-Lush. all the way back to 2006 with Northern Iowa. They were 26th. Oh. But yeah, by far the best for Creighton. Shout out Paul Lush, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> P. Lush. I mean, obviously, coaches now over there too. Shout out to them. Yeah. <laughs> Miller and I, Jalen and Matt. Huss. Huss is the offensive coach, though. I ain't getting credit for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next one's a little bit tongue in cheek, but I think you'll like it. Uh, says you got to ask the owner of UConn <laughs> how hard it is to beat a team three times in a year, and what the and and the real question is like, what's the ceiling for this team? What do you think the ceiling is for this group? Wait, what's the first one? <laughs> <I was going. laughs> first one is uh, I gotta ask the owner of UConn, Marcus Zagorowski, how hard it is. Oh, I'm the owner of UConn. Yeah, I'm you're right. the owner of UConn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owner yeah. UConn is. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta ask the owner of UConn how hard it is to beat a team three times in a year because that's what you. I mean, they're four, Creighton's four zero against UConn right now. This big bat, big oh, bat oh, UConn Huskies, and uh, you beat them three times. So. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. It's hard to beat anybody three times. I remember like high school, we beat this team three times, and it was terrible. I was like, "Damn, this third time might be a little hard." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it wasn't. We beat them by fifty, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in college, yeah, it's tough, you know. I, you know, to beat a team three, you know, twice in in the Big East play is hard. You know, mm-hmm. to beat three times. You know, luckily the third time we played UConn last year was in the Big East tournament. You know, there was more at stake. It wasn't just like a game. I mean, obviously it's. It's always going to be a lot at stake because. No, you guys like both teams went into that like it was the Big East Championship. Like, I won the Big East yeah. Championship. Everybody, no, everybody that's watching, no, if, <laughs> hey, if Patrick Ewan sees this, man, that was the Big East Championship, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was, though. It really yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody acknowledges that. No, I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast <laughs> will argue with that logic. Yeah. Yeah, to beat them three times. And that's why I was a little worried about tonight. I'm like, damn, we just beat them three times. Like, like I know if the roles were reversed, I know Matt Coach Mag is in our locker room. Like, yo, they beat us three times last year. Like, 
we need to come out with this set of, this uh, uh, like I know I know it, it's a different type of urgency and it's a different type of feel for the game because we mm-hmm. did a lot of times last year. So and you know Hurley was on was on them about that. You know, see, was, like like seriously, you know, remember how much mess they were talking before the semifinal matchup last year? Like yeah. they were mad that you guys beat them twice or even once, and it's like they were talking like, all that stuff, and you guys used it as motivation. You're like, all right, let's do it then, let's go. And then, yeah. like you know, Hurley was telling those dudes because Whaley, Sonogo, Cole, Martin, all those dudes played on those teams last year, so they're all back. You know that they were motivated. Like this was no yeah, easy dub for the Jays tonight. Yeah, as I'm saying, like this, as like people don't think how hard today's win was. This is a this is a hard win. What they did tonight. So, but uh, second question was, uh, what what was it? What is the ceiling for this team? Yeah, this. What's the, what do you think the ceiling is for this group? Um, I don't know how to answer this because. Yeah, I know it's tough to quantify that. Like, do you go win total or do you go like, saying, like win total make the tournament? Because once you make the tournament, then it's kind of a crapshoot from that's there. They're like, definitely make a tournament. You know, that's not okay. A, even if they lost tonight, I feel like they could. Stay, they're still capable of you know making a tournament. You know, I feel like, you know, they're good enough. It's just a matter of, you know, them winning the games that they're supposed to win and then winning the games that 50-50, you know, you just oh, – not all you don't have to win all of them, but you got to win, you know. Fair share, for sure. Yeah, fair share of them. You know, finish top four, top – I mean, the Big East is really good this year. They had a really good yeah. non-conference schedule. So, I think more teams than last year will make it. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but um, I, I – um, and then, you know, win one or two games of the Big East and give yourself a chance. But I – I don't like putting ceilings on on, on this team, you know. Mm. You know, it's if they play like, like like we said earlier, you know, they can they can uh, make a run. You know, they I really believe that. You know, it is a really hard question to answer, right? Because they're capable of a certain level, but yeah. then like you just know that's not going to happen every single day, right? So like, yeah, yeah. Where do you? What's what's your what's your? I guess like how high can they raise their floor? Maybe that's probably a better way to like measure this group is like how. By the end of this thing, like how much have they narrowed the gap between their ceiling and their floor? Because it clearly is a pretty big gap right now. And it's kind of like you said, Matt goes into like each game kind of wondering a little bit, like, okay, how are we going to handle these situations? Like, how are we going to execute that sort of thing? So, yeah, maybe a better way to look at it is like, how, where's the floor and how high can they raise it by the end of this thing and build off of that in the offseason, right? That's probably a better way to look at it. Yeah. Like, like where can they get to where they're like, they know what they they know they they know going in how how today's can go and should mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. and I think they'll get to that point. You know, I I really do. You know, I think although that loss for Xavier sucks, I feel like that was like that helped them tonight. I really I really believe that. Cause I remember so. remember those big losses like those those losses in college, and you're like, dang, like. What the heck? And I, I feel like that was us for San Diego State where we got blown out, and then, and then we, and then we really, we we, we beat Texas Tech, and then uh, um, we went on a run, and we, I feel like, just our makeup and just like how we acted, like just like how we like started to look at ourselves. Are you like when you lost at home to Nova that year? You lost at home to Nova, then lost to yeah, Butler. Exactly. It's like, yeah, like, then you kind of like you're like, no, this is not how it's gonna go. Like those losses, almost like they like change you as a player like just like how you act like you start like thinking like okay like we just lost and we're okay, we're good we're, we're we're still we're still good and then you kind of go out the next game and kind of just play free you know because you're like we ain't gonna lose like we did last game ain't no way like <laughs> we're not doing that again like so I feel like 
although the losses suck near in the year, they do like start to shape you and they start to form like, you know, what, what, the, what the group is like going to be like, are you guys going to fold? Are you guys going to bounce back and, um, and show like, show true character. And that's what they did tonight. So I, I, them winning tonight kind of shows me that, you know, their ceiling is, um, they're, they're bridging that gap, uh, bit by bit. And, uh, they, they, they really did tonight. So I don't have a specific, like, oh, they're going to be a sweet 16 or a, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's tough. That's hard. I feel like last year was easier. Like they were like, okay, um, it's like a sweet 16 elite eight or bust type of season. This year, it's like whatever happens, you know, that's that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you thought like that last year. It was so up in the air. Every day, it was, every day it was crazy. How do you even put a goal on the thing? Oh, Kobe. Yeah, I guess. I don't even know how. Like nah. Kobe's not beating us this year. That's how, that's how we were looking at it. <laughs> that's how well, you, I hey, then you guys went undefeated right there because you didn't catch it and you didn't, they didn't put you – like you were – you yeah, I was masked up. I was masked yeah. up. <laughs> we're making this shit happen today, yo. <laughs> we, are not going, we are not going outside. <laughs> uh, uh, one, one, someone wants to know how's, uh, how's Long Island treating you? How's the G League treating you? Is it, it's not the G League anymore. Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, stupid. Yeah, it's been it's been good. You know, I obviously you know it's the G League. You know, you want to be in the NBA, but I do feel like I'm getting a lot better and I'm challenged every day, and you know, starting to learn how to be a professional and living on my own and you know, getting my own groceries and stuff. And oh stuff. no, shit! I, I mean, I was doing that kind of full-grown adult now, huh? Yeah. So I like, know I'm you know I'm getting the hang of it. You know, I'm I'm happy with my growth as a player and. Um, I just feel like I'm challenged every day, and I'm um, I've been fighting this. Like I told you before, this plantar fasciitis in my foot, so that's been a pain mm-hmm. all year. But you know, I've I've gained a lot of wisdom, and you know, from it, and I'm just you know learning how to be a pro and take, trying to take care of my body and stuff like that. So you know, I've, it's all good though. I'll be I'll, I should be back in a few weeks, and but I'm 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 happy with where I'm at. You know, this is it's been it's been a big growth year for me. I I think you know. Lying your ass off. You're not happy. Where, you're not happy where you're at. You want to be in the league right now. <laughs> oh no, I meant. I meant like. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's all. <laughs> I want to be in the league right now. Of course yeah, I do. But yeah. um, I know that's not that's not gonna happen right now. So I gotta yeah. be in the moment. You know, I gotta stay in the moment, and that's what I've learned. Um, for sure. That's the healthiest way. To, I saw to the. Go. I saw. Yeah, but I thought I saw you got to like you're making the most of the injury though, because I saw you got to watch the twin do his thing. Like, how's Max doing? You got oh, to go yeah, watch man. him. I saw I mean, you coaching luckily, him up on the sideline there. Like, what were you telling him to I was do? Crazy during that game. I was, front row, I was talking crazy to refs to this other team fan. <laughs> I mean, that was my first time seeing Max play since since we played together in high school. Like, oh really. shit, was it really? Wow. Yeah, nice. I can never go. You know, Coach Mac always was like, "Hey, you got to." He made me – Coach, can I skip practice today? I got to go see my brother play. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, I never did that. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm the first time seeing him play. And luckily, like, he he played uh, Delphi, and that's, like, 10 minutes from where I live. So, like, oh, nice. it worked out perfect. And um, I got to see him play. So, it's been awesome. You know, he's having a great year. Really? He's having, yeah, he's averaging – he's had, like, 20, 25 and, like, 11 last – he's having a really good year, so I'm happy with him, you know. He could be another guy that from Division Two might go go on to a team. Okay. Okay. Some, 
I pulled some little freshman out, like, yo, this is how HIV supposed to do it. <laughs> Speaking into existence, I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I good, know. good for him, though. Yeah. I know last year was pretty tough for him, so it's good to see, like, him doing his thing and then, obviously, that you get to watch him. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, okay. Man, there's a lot, of, a lot of UConn hate in these questions here tonight. You know, like, people are fired up at UConn's back in the league because they just, like, they talk so much – that it just like creates that war of words is pretty fun though. Uh, Jeremy wants to know: Does UConn have any national championships if Creighton is in the Big East in the nineties? <laughs> the nineties. I mean, your brother got him. Like your brother, your brother, your brother got him a few times. So I mean, maybe it's just 90s, like a. What's that? The nineties. Yeah, I don't know. If like, uh, Creighton's four and zero against them, so I think like they're an element to like Creighton being UConn's kryptonite sort of thing so oh um, I see okay yeah, yeah I mean wait did UConn win championship in the 90s that's a question I think they won one they won one for sure uh Khalid Alamin and those dudes Rip Hamilton they beat Duke I mean I think that was like 99 or something yeah I mean obviously I don't know what it is but UConn don't like playing the Blue Jay boys it's, it's <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, they might be in trouble, yo. Don't, don't see, catch us on a bad night. See you better than UC? Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah. <laughs> um, Where's our next one at? Um, this one's more of a comment. I guess really impressed with the defense tonight. Hawkins was a stud. Uh, Trey Alexander with ice water in his veins hitting those free throws. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, like, earlier, just because Hawkins had to step up. On both ends of the floor, Garden Sonogo. And yeah, I mean, Trey Alexander, like, again, five out of six from the free throw line when you're a true freshman at UConn in a game like that, like, that's, you know, you can tell he's kind of, that's the kind of thing that, like, shows you're built for the moment, right? Because that's, there's, I don't even know if there's, maybe I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there's more, a more high pressure situation than staying at the free throw line by yourself. Yeah. In a hostile environment when you know these matter. Like, like every single point you can put on the board is key to helping you win this game. Yeah, you know, and it's good for me seeing that, you know, the first, honestly, the first thought I had was, like, I'm happy for the kid because, like, I remember, like, texting John McHugh, like, a couple months ago. I was like, how you doing? He's like, that's not, how the new guys? He's like, awesome. I love them all, you know. And I was like, but who who is your dog now? Like, like for freshmen, because I remember he's, you know, um, and he said, "Try like he said, Trey. He's like Trey Alexander." And I was like, "Okay, like." And I remember him telling me, "I'm like, okay, like, oh, he's gonna have, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna have a good year." Because I, I just, I know John. Like, I, I, I know Trey's probably a really good person. I know he probably does the does the right things on and off the floor. I know he probably doesn't skip a class. He, is that who Johnny? You know, um, gravitates towards guys like that that just do the right thing at the right time and even when no one's looking. So I know Trey's probably like that. So seeing that doesn't surprise me because he probably handles his business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's an interesting one. I, I, I don't know how – this might be a tough to answer, honestly. It's kind of a tough question. Um, I believe there are positives, but how do you think the transfer portal and uh, name, image, and likeness deals will influence college recruiting and player development? I don't even know if you, like – I've thought about that at all because it's so new. It's, it's, no, hard, I, it's I hard to assess too, right? Because it's it's 
like the first year of all of that. So yeah, I mean, I think players deserve it. You know, I wish I got to, uh, mm. you know, just be involved in that and be able to benefit off those, those are uh, those um, new rules. But um, I remember Mitch like tweeted out saying, you know, don't lose. Don't lose the love and the competitiveness, and you know why you came to college, and you know why you wanna, like, don't let don't let uh, don't let the outside noise affect you know what's really important. That's what's on the court, and you know I agree with him. So I feel like, you know, if I were to do it all over again, I would, I wouldn't go to a school just because the benefits of, of image and likeness, you know. Yeah. Obviously, I'm spe- I can't speak for nobody else because you know other people may be in a different financial thing and. They gotta feed their family, or they gotta mm-hmm. support their family, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything away from that because you know you gotta do what you gotta do, and um, and that if that's what if that's right right decision for you, then you know make that decision. But for me, it was more of a basketball thing. Whatever, I, I gotta handle my business in school and handle my business on the court, and you know I let everything else you know handle itself, and you know that comes first though, because um hopefully one day I can make more money, you know, off, off basketball, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. just cause of basketball, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. but I do think, you know, the transfer rule is going to, it's going to affect cause a, a bit. I, I really do because it's going to be harder to, but I also think it's coaches will be more honest with kids in the recruiting process. Cause yep. if you lie or, you know, tell them, Oh, you're going to start, you're going to, you're going to have this, 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 you're going to have all these, Image like this deal. Well, I don't know how coaches recruit now, to be honest. But um, if they lie, then you know players have a can, can leave right away and they'll play with a different team. So like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's gonna be more honest. But I also feel like players are. It's I don't know, yo. It's tough, yo. You know, here I, I think I think Crane will be fine because Crane has a great culture. You know, coaches coaches always been honest to players. He was honest to me in recruiting process. Um, and I haven't had a teammate or that has told a story or even porn players about like, you know, not liking it there or like being lied to or stuff like that. It happens in a, that I've heard in other experiences. And um, so I think Crane will be fine, you know, especially they, re- they recruit good guys and they recruit the right guys for their system. So, but for other colleges, like, like Arizona state, they're going to have a different team every year. So I think it depends on the team, yeah, and the coach, and you know, just the history of the team, and you know, I feel like that matters almost. And um, but yeah, it's definitely crazy. You know, no one's gonna have the right. I don't. I don't. I really don't know to be honest. Yeah, no, I feel you. You know, the the thing that sticks out to me about this conversation is like, there's so much focus. Like it's hard. it, It when people look at it they don't look at it through like the entire lens. It's like, they're just like closing off one eye and only looking at certain, a certain spot because it's not going to be like a foolproof, nothing bad's going to happen through this. Like with the transfer, with the one-time transfer rule, there's not ever going to be a situation where none of the players are like prima donnas and think they're better than they are. And like leaving and, you know, going to try to like be a big shot somewhere. Right. Like that's going to happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen. But you're not. But but by but you can you can go ahead and say that's a problem, and I'm cool with that, because yeah, like that player doesn't have the right priorities. Fine, 
but you're also missing like you're not acknowledging the fact that some players genuinely need a change of scenery to feel like right with themselves like they're at a place and it's just not working for whatever reason there's a lot of variables that go into that and they just need a change of scenery for their mental health alone and let the basketball or the sport take care of itself on its own you know what i mean so that's the part of it like yeah are there going to be players who you know aren't coachable and don't listen and want and think they're the big shot and want all this stuff and they're going to go look for a school that gives them that or whatever. Yes, there are. But there's also going to be a lot more that are just like trying to find a place where they're comfortable. And that's yeah. the part of it for me why I think players should have the freedom of movement. It's just like coaches do. Coaches have the ability oh, to cool. move around and like look for a spot that's good for them and their family that they feel like they can make a career off of. And they have no nothing hindering them in that regard. So yeah. players shouldn't have anything hindering them either. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think it's a very it, – the, the, those those type of decisions have to be taken seriously though. You got to be able yeah, to yep for sure be smart about where you go and you know the reasons for leaving and like and just the you know you got to be able to be respectful and you can't just be like cause a scene and you know be really disrespectful because like you know it, it it may not be the situation situation. Sometimes it could be you. Like I've seen I've seen it in my college career and it, um or even like other players that I knew. Are transferred and now they're in a t- tougher position. So like, mm-hmm. it's a scary thing to really do. Even I, like even my older brother Michael, he was in a transfer from Syracuse. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, and he was a McDonald's All American and like he had his bags packed. Like he was gone. This is a true story. My dad had to drive up and tell him, "You're not leaving. You made the decision on your own. You got to stand on it." So I feel like, I mean, obviously that that won't work in every situation. Mm-hmm. But for him, it was the right decision. The next year, he was a lottery pick. So yep. like that's what I'm afraid of. Of like kids. You know, not having to work through, you know, those, those, oh, I'm not playing today. Like, damn, like, oh, it's the school's fault, the coach. But then that same player is missing class. So he's not, he's not, he's not first to, first to practice. He's not last to leave. Like, he's not doing everything in his, in his, in his ability to, to get into that starting five or to get those minutes. So if I was a player and I wasn't playing much and I wasn't, um, where I wanted to be in terms of my role and, you know, then I would be in the gym every single day. I, would, I wouldn't miss a class. I would handle my books. I would, I would ask coach, like, what else do I need to do? I would, I would watch film. I would do everything in my power. And then, and then if I'm still not playing, okay, coach, like appreciate everything, but you know, I'm going to try and see a different, um, see if, you know, if another school, you know, would take me, you know, I feel like I could um, expand my role and just stuff like that. So I feel like it has taken really, um, carefully and just you know with intelligence because I, I would hate to see a lot of players just oh, I'm out of here like I'm not playing right away I'm not averaging 20 after school I'm out like yeah I feel like that's that that's the issue with it but obviously yeah coaches leave and they get to get paid millions and then coach right away like yeah players deserve it but I, I also want to say like they got to be smart about it mm-hmm. yeah I think honesty is important too the, 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 that's the first thing exactly. is yeah. like just, just approach it in an honest manner from the work you do from the way you handle yourself from everything you say and and do like be true to your word and then at the end of the day if it's not the situation then bounce like look for something better you know and then the nil part of it um like the easy thing to jump onto is like oh you're gonna turn all these like teenagers into entitled you know like wannabe superstars and stuff like that and then when you start handing them money then they stop working hard it's like okay again 
yeah, you'll have some of that. You'll have some some players who, you know, just like see the green and that's all they think about and they don't put in the work and then the their their skill level plateaus and then they're not helping their team. They're only focused on, you know, the business opportunities they can make off their name and whatnot. And like, yeah, I guess I you could say that that's bad for the business of, you know, the the game itself, like how the product looks on the floor. However, that happens in the pros too. You get these like rookies who get told they're the shit for 18 years, their lottery picks, you hand them these contracts, these endorsement deals, they stop working hard, like they flame out, they make their money and they bounce, right? That happens in the pros. So yeah, it's gonna happen at the college level. But again, you're also talking about you're not you're not acknowledging the situation of like there are players who are literally going to school to save their families. Like, you know, they're trying to keep the lights on back home. They're trying to feed like, you know, four siblings and things like that. Like I remember Caleb Joseph was, you know, we were talking to Caleb about it, like back, you know, like a year ago or something when this stuff was getting rolling, like with the podcast and everything. And it's like, that dude just wanted his family to come watch him play. Like imagine if he has some NIL cash, like throw a plane ticket their way, fly him out, have him watch a game instead of senior day being the only time, you know, his family and his parents ever got to see him like do his thing, you know, like that could be a more, which is some extra cash that you make off your own name through your own blood, sweat and tears. Like that can be a more daily thing. Right. So like that just increases your, your happiness, your mental health. And then you get to like enjoy your college experience a lot more. So yeah, there are bad sides of it too. There's like, there's evils and everything, but there's also a lot of good that comes with all of this stuff. So yeah, it's all your approach, but yeah, no. This deal should have been done years ago. Decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. When college sports like sold themselves to networks for billions of dollars, that's when it should have been instituted. Like, hold up. Hold up a minute. If you're going to be billionaires, we got to get like, can we be at least like have a couple thousand or something? So, yeah, it's it's twofold. I I wouldn't ask for much. I just needed, you know, a few. Yeah. I know. Five hundred bucks goes a long way when you're a college kid, man. You don't even know. Yeah, yo, I, I, we can pay like four thirty a month, yo. That shit. Yeah. I thought I was rich, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I used to save it. I used to be. I used to say that. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna eat good tonight. <laughs> I'm ready for Chick Fil A tonight, boys. What you want a spicy chicken? <laughs> um. Yeah, we got a question about your G League experience. We already talked about that. Um. I think I'll save Mitch's question for last. Uh, but this next one is, what do you think of Nemhard's um, development? Uh, seems sloppy and swimming in at times. I don't know what that means, but what do you think he needs to work on for the future? That was kind of a harsh question. Uh, what do you think of Nemhard's development so far? Like, how is he progressing, I guess? I'll, I'll rephrase it. Um, I think he's, you know, trying in the right direction, even though probably his numbers have gone down. I think, you know, start of the year, he had a couple – I mean, I, I, Xavier had a, a good scoring game, but – Yep, yep. I feel like he's getting more comfortable, you know. You know, defensive, defenses are start, starting to, you know, n- know his game really well. You know, he has they, – they have they have tape on him now in college. So, mm-hmm. you know, how he's being guarded is going to change. You know, he's one of the – he's one of the pr- primary ball handlers on the team. So, he, he's making a lot of decisions. So, teams are making it tough for him. So, but he's handling it well. He plays he plays older than he is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where the person sees the sloppiness from. Uh, 
Um, he's going to have turnovers. He's the balls in his hands a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So he's making hard decisions in split seconds. So it's going to happen. But um, I think he's a perfect fit for them, for Crane. You know, he plays fast. I think he shoots better than they, they probably thought. You know, I Yeah, think, for sure. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's he's probably not where he wants to be shooting-wise. You know, it's just um, – but he can get there. You know, his form's not bad. His form's pretty good. He comes off right. He just – it's just reps. It's just reps. It's just confidence and, you know, getting those games under his belt and hitting those shots in games. And um, But, yeah, I mean, they should be ecstatic about him. You know, I'm, I'm really happy uh, he's he's there. You know, it's awesome seeing him. He's going to be really good for them. And, um, he can He's just the perfect fit for them. He, 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 he runs the show, and um, he's going to be really good. Yeah, no, I thought he had. I thought he, I thought he was solid tonight. Like I thought, you know, he hit two threes. No, it's tough going the, against the court. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, right? Yeah. He made, he made it hard for me. I, I, I didn't play great for UConn all three games, and you know they make it hard for the, for their primary ball handler. They they said it to me. They literally, literally, literally said. I looked at him. I was like, dang. He's like, yo, we, he's like, we're gonna make your life like hell tonight. You know, we we take away the one of the best players and um we take away the primary i'm like yeah i know i can tell like <laughs> yeah, i can tell <laughs> i can see all these guys flowing at me i can still see it you know that i told the right face we still gonna win <laughs> but yeah so yeah tonight although he only had six points you know he played great defense had had bit the ball was in his hands when when, when the moment was tough you know like maybe he didn't come through with it but the process was right and um um, there's pressure there. He has to fight pressure every single mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys don't have to feel like that. I remember I felt like – I still feel like that. As a point guard, you feel that pressure, you know, getting picked up full court. You know, you're having to run the show, run the plays, and you got to hear what coach is saying. You got to you got to guard their primary ball handler. So, um, as a freshman, he's handling it really well. And, um, even the bad games he has, those bad games are as a point as the good games right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um. Yeah, I think Mitch has the Mitch has the last questions. It'll close us out. Uh, it's about to be some BS right here. <laughs> he wants to know when you were more nervous. Were you more nervous uh, being spectated by the whole squad on Warzone? Oh or, my god! <laughs> or hitting the game winner versus Providence in front of eighteen thousand fans. What were you more nervous? <laughs> I know y'all y'all gonna think I'm lying, but it really is the war zone. <laughs> okay, no, nothing, so. nothing's being nothing's worse than getting spectated by Jake Everson and Dan Young or and then Mitch or Austin. Like I played Warzone with them. It's like a video, it's like Call of Duty game. And yeah. Basically you you are you all dropping you're on the same team dropping a map and you, you die, you come back, but at a certain time of the game, if you die, you don't come back. So at a certain point of the game, I was the only one left, so they're all watching me. <laughs> all, I'm getting watched by all of them. It's, it's like there's like probably like a couple other players that we have to kill. I have to kill, and I die. Of course, I'm not that good, so they're laughing. So like it's nerve wracking because like they're making fun of you while you're playing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously versus Providence, that was a terrible game for me. Like I didn't play well. Yeah, I was I was I was like a little mad. And then I remember playing bad, and I'm like. It's tie games. That was when you were like, you had the dizzy, you had the dizzy spell or whatever, right? I might have had COVID, yo. I don't even (laughs) know. COVID before it was like the first case of COVID. (laughs) No, that was crazy. Six six turnovers, like dizzy. Yeah. And then he he hits the game winner, does the Billy Strong. Turnovers, like 
missed shots. Probably Coach McDermott probably yelled at me. The most he yelled at me in that game was like equal to every other game, like in my career. Like I was, I'm like, oh, I'm dizzy, man. I can't see nothing, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get, I'm like, yo, the last time I tie song, get the ball, yo, get the ball. I do not want that ball. So he gave it to me. I said, I right, fuck it. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. F it. Um, um, it's a tie game, man. There's not much pressure. To tie game. If I miss, we go to OT. So I just okay, okay. He literally gave me a shot. He backed up crazy. I hit the shot. And then uh, everyone forgot about six turnovers, so I felt good about that. They did. That was the first time I remember Coach McTurm- McTurm- was like, lucky you made that shot. No, no, Nobody knows about how bad you <laughs> I was like, yeah. My favorite thing about that one was, like, you started doing the Billy strut or whatever and, like, yeah, in front of the hey, crowd. All my teammates in the G League right now, they all do that to me. They do the little, little – <laughs> little, that was when it was popping, before Connor, you know, fell off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before, like, you know, reality hit. But – uh. That's another po- that's another podcast. That's another we're not doing it. But yeah, I remember Ed Cooley coming out on the court and like pointing at like sh- like he like was directing the ref towards your antics, like, hey, T his ass up. Like for real? Oh yeah. I, I wish I saw it because I would have literally turned I, I think I have like the floor cam of it. I'll see if I'll send it to you and see if you can uh, see yeah, it. But like, yeah, because you were like all into it and everything, like walking around in front of their bench and like getting into it. And he was just like, Hello, you know, yeah, T yeah. If I saw him, dude, I would have looked right at him and done it right to him. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Like, this is what you get for not recruiting me, yo. This is what you oh, get. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's finally gets to say it. <laughs> nah, I wasn't going there anyways. They know that. I mean, they know. You hit the shot. That's all you got. You don't have to say anything. Like, that's – that, you know. You know you didn't – it was, it was uh, Makai Ashton Langford, right? That was the one. They wanted that dude instead. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Ball game. Um, <laughs> eat this three. Yeah. Uh, well – That'll, I think that's about done for us. That's all our questions, and I think we just went through that entire game, left nothing unturned. Awesome. So, yeah, I appreciate Marcus's insight, and I appreciate everybody's questions chiming in. Um, and then we thank – thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, so, yeah, this has been your Blue Jay Beat postgame show after Creighton's 59-55 win over UConn. Uh, big week for the Jays. Men's and women's basketball, the men's team will stay on the road. They're at Seton Hall on Friday. Actually, I don't know if they're going to stay on the road. They might come back home, but uh, either way, the next game's next, next game's at Seton Hall on Friday. The women have – They might stay on the road, honestly. Yeah, they think they might, but, yeah, we'll see. But then the women have UConn at home tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Then they got at DePaul on Friday. Big one. Yeah, huge, huge game. Um, then they got at DePaul and at Marquette Friday and Sunday. So, big week for Jays basketball. Tune in, um, and thanks for everybody for listening to the podcast, listening to the coverage. Uh, check this podcast out on iTunes, White and Blue Review Network. Make sure you're subscribed so you get it when it's when it's live. And then check us out on whiteandbluereview.com for all the post-game coverage and everything. And then Marcus, um, heal up, man. Get back in the game so everybody can watch you do your thing. 100% I will. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>